I stand accused There's a list a mile long Of all my sin Everything that I've done wrong I'm so ashamed There's nowhere left for me to hide This is the day I must answer for my life My fate is in the judge's hands But then he turns to me and says I know you, I love you I gave my life to save you Love paid the price for mercy My verdict not guilty How can it be? I can't begin to comprehend What kind of grace Took the place for all my sin I stand in awe Now that I have been set free And the tears well up as I look at that cross Cause it should have been me My fate was in the nail-scarred hands He stretched them out for me
Good morning. What a song. It's a double-edged sword to have a song like that for the preacher because on one hand, it encourages us as we get up here. On the other hand, if we're not careful, we could lose it. I'm telling you, that was one beautiful song. And it was so full of God's truth, so full of God's character. It's amazing. It really is. We're going to look at one of God's favorite men of God who, for decades, if not centuries, Unbelievers and atheists have picked on and call our religion hypocritical because of him. But we're going to see today why God refers to David as a man after my own heart. They always look at the first part, but they never look at the second part. So we're going to tell a little story about a low point in David's life and how it turned out eventually that was so wonderful. So the Lord sent Nathan to David because it was time to rescue David from himself because his sins had become so grievous to God And God loved David so much, he couldn't tolerate his behavior anymore. So Nathan came to to David, and God knows the righteous character of David. And he says, I have a story to tell you. There were two men in one city, one very rich and one very poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds in his care, in his ownership. But the poor man only had one little female lamb, which grew up with his children and became part of the family, almost like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to visit the rich man, but the rich man refused to take any of his own lambs to prepare a meal for the visitor. The rich man took the poor man's one lamb from him. Well, God knew how David would react to this. Because remember about a prophet, a righteous prophet of God, His words were literally God's words. When he spoke, God was speaking through him. And that's why so many of the unrighteous kings later on in time in Israel tortured, beat, imprisoned, and sometimes killed the righteous prophets because they didn't like what they said to them. So David's anger burned greatly against this rich man. He says, as the Lord lives, 
This man should die, and he should pay fourfold for what he has taken from that poor man. And then Nathan responded to David, David, you are the man. It is I who anointed you, God speaking through the prophet now, it is I who anointed you king in Israel. It is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and his wives to care for them. I gave you the house of Judah and Israel. If that hadn't been enough, I would have given you more. But you have despised the word of God, doing evil in the sight. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and you took his wife as your own wife and killed him. Now, therefore, The sword will never leave your life and your legacy. It will never depart and give you peace in your lifetime. You have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite for your own. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up evil against you in your own household. I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your son. He will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did what you did in secret, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and under the sun. Now, David's response here is what makes him such a righteous man. It's what makes him and his heart after God's own heart. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has taken away your sin, and you shall not die. When confronted with his sin as king, as the most powerful man in the land, he immediately repented. Immediately. He was broken. He didn't rebel. He didn't argue. He didn't defend. He didn't justify anything. He simply showed why he was a righteous man. But God continues, however, by this deed, you have given occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. On the seventh day, 
the child died. So it's a sad story, and yet it is a lesson for all time how we should respond in our life to warn us if someone as righteous as David could get into that kind of trouble. And that's what pride will do. That's why God hates pride so much. That's why the devil, when he thought he could take over, when he was called Lucifer, was ushered out. And the pride behind a man like that, or an angel like that, you know, he took a third of the angels with him. Pride is the most, one of the most evil sins we can have. But today we're going to look at three verses from one of David's psalms of repentance, and there are a few, and they are blessed. This particular one is my favorite, actually it's my favorite psalm in the entire book of Psalms. But just before we do, let's take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that once again we have the privilege to look at your word, to see what you have to say to us, to show us what you want us to learn, to live by, and to please you and honor you and glorify you. So we just ask now that you would continue blessing this time, and we look forward to later having a wonderful baptism. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So it's from the text of the Psalm 51. We're going to look at three verses. We're going to look at 10, 12, and 17. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So first we'll take a look at the first part of, of 10. Verse 10. Psalm 51, I wish we had time to go through the whole psalm, but we don't. It is, it is such a precious response, and I wish over the years I had responded that way when confronted by sins in my character, but not always did I do that. But the way he responded to Nathan when God trapped him in his own self-righteousness is just remarkable. And when he sat down and he was penning this prayer of repentance, he got right to the heart of it. Create in me a clean heart. That's where it starts. We must always keep the ledger, so to speak, clean and balanced with our Lord and Savior. Don't ever hold on to a grudge. Don't ever let bitterness creep into your life. 
Don't ever think more highly of yourself than you should. Always give the glory to God and delight in walking with him every day. Create in, in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. David's prayer showed he desired and was determined to get right again with God. And he would never, ever have another episode like this the rest of his life. And he did, there were consequences. The loss of the child, the temporary loss of his kingdom to his son Absalom. But he always walked uprightly with God after that. Here's a quote. The one who walks with God always gets to his destination. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. David had stopped walking with God. He should have been on the battlefield with his army, shouldn't he have? But he was home where he didn't belong. That was his first mistake. His second mistake was going to his roof, and we know the rest of the story after that. Psalm 51.12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Notice he didn't say, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. There is no real joy in us, but that it comes from God, our Lord and Savior. And it is a blessed, it's a blessed joy. And it's such a, the two that just run parallel is peace and joy. You cannot, as a Christian, have one without the other. It's impossible. So if you're peaceful, but you're not joyful, time to check. And if you're, if you're joyful and not peaceful, same problem. It's so marvelous how God lays things out for us. Another quote, there is a sweet joy in feeling that God knows all and notwithstanding loves us still. Amen. J. Hudson Taylor. We know a little bit about him, don't we? Another quote, sin robs us of joy, but sin confessed to God always restores, restores peace and joy. And in, in Psalm 12, uh, 51, excuse me, verse 12, and sustain me with a willing spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Too many Christians are not careful enough with their attire, 
with their attitudes and with their responses to other people. Another quote. We are here to glorify Christ in our daily life. We are here as workers for him and as workers together with him. Let us see that our life is faithful to the end. Let us live dedicated, sincere, joyful, holy lives to the praise and the glory of his grace. Meanwhile, we long to be with him and daily sing, my heart is with him on his throne. Spurgeon. In last Psalm 51, verse 17. And notice when God is, is, is inspired David and he's writing this, he's remembering the important things that should never leave us. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 19, 14 says this, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We should have speech that doesn't grieve God, that blesses others, that inspires some, and consoles others. Another quote, no man can tell whether he is rich or poor by turning, turning to his ledger. It is the heart that makes a man rich. He is rich according to what he is, not according to what he has. Henry Ford Breacher, a preacher from uh, around the Civil War era and later. You know, we live in a state, we live in the Bay Area where we're bombarded constantly by everything under the sun. We have to be careful as Christians, especially young ones, let me talk to you today about that. Be very, very careful who you copy yourself after. Look for the righteous. Look for those who stand tall in Christ. And don't try and conform to this world. It will bring you nothing but grief and disappointment. A quote on humility. A humble person can either be put down or exalted. Can neither, excuse me, be put down or exalted. He can neither be humiliated or honored because he remains the same in all situations. Key humility. Humility. Never think too much of ourself. God will re, will re God will deny uh, no blessing to a thoroughly humble heart. How about that? 
Fight for him and fight for his cause, not your own. Conviction. We need to have convictions, don't we? And we need to have strong convictions as we walk through this life. A quote, I can only say that I have acted upon my best convictions without selfishness or malice, and that by the, with the help of God, I, sh I shall continue to do so. Abraham Lincoln. Another quote by someone most of us, if not all of us, love and adore. Oh, what a happy soul I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world, content I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. I know several of you already figured out who that is. Fanny Jane Crosby wrote a few words of songs about her Savior. But that's it. That's where we should live every day of our lives. I regret that someone didn't, that I wasn't willing and someone didn't come to me earlier in my life, that I could have had more years to enjoy him because it is a wonderful life in Christ. So now with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're out there today and are convinced that you've done things that just aren't forgivable. Remember this, Jesus Christ loves you in spite of who you are or what you've done. He loves you, period. And he's willing to forgive you, as it states in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And not that of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And one last quote before we pray. Only God can transform a sinful soul into a masterpiece of grace. Philip Yancey. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time to look at your word, to see the character of God, to see the response that David, when he went so far wrong, once confronted with his sins, immediately confessed and returned to his Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have these examples in the Bible and just help us every day to walk with you, to honor you, and to be blessed by you. We pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen.